I want to share with you the Christmas story very briefly in cartoon form. This is a cartoon from Saddleback Church, a big church in the US that we use extensively during our scripture teaching here at Waverley Public School. Some very well done, very succinct, very powerful, uh, very funny and humorous, quick cartoons uh, that help illustrate for the kids different Bible stories. And this is The Birth of Jesus by the Saddleback Kids. The story of Christmas, Jesus is born. This is Mary. Hi! You see, Mary was the mother of Jesus, but before that happened, she lived in the town of Nazareth. And she was engaged to marry a man named Joseph. Hey, -o. Hi, Joseph! Oh, God. Mary got pregnant by the power of God. Hey, huh? Joseph didn't understand all this at first, but an angel came and told him to still take Mary as his wife. Yeah, okay. So he did as the angel said. Not long after that, the ruler of the land, Caesar Augustus, wanted to count how many people were in the land. So Caesar Augustus ordered everyone in the land to travel back to their hometowns so that they could be counted. Joseph's hometown was Bethlehem, so Mary and Joseph traveled from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, they looked for a place to stay. Now I'm sorry. Oh, man. But there was no room for them. So they stayed in a barn, and while they were there, Mary gave birth to Jesus. <laughs> she wrapped him snugly in the strips of cloth uh, and laid him in a manger. Excuse me. And so the Son of God, the Savior of the world, was born in a barn in Bethlehem. So that's a fun cartoon version of a very famous story. Bethany is going to uh, bring you the official Bible reading in just a little bit. But first, we're in for a real treat. Hannah and Jay and Julie are going to perform for us a Christmas item, O Holy Night. So welcome to the stage, uh, a wonderful Jay, our own church in the family, uh, Marketplace. We're so blessed to have this family as part of our team. So I'm going to hand over to them, and then Bethany's going to bring you the Bible reading. And, uh, and I'm going to go get our special guest for the morning. Merry Christmas, everyone.
I'm going to be bringing the Bible um, to us this morning. So please open to Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. So I'll give you a minute to find that. All right, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This is the word of the Lord. Talking this morning. I'm a working man, a hard-working man. Joseph's the name, Joe's the name. Actually, how are you all this morning? I've been asked to come and tell you my side of the story. I've been asked to come and tell you a little, a little bit about the background of what, uh, what I went through that day. You see, uh, Joseph Davidson is my full name. But being a good working man, I brought you into my workshop here. If you just call me Joe, we'll get on just fine. Does that sound all right by you? Like I said, uh, Joseph Davidson uh, is my full name. Now, my mother reckoned that we were descended from King David himself, can you believe it? Humble carpenters. We've always been carpenters in my family. My old man was his old man before him. But mum assured us we were descended from royalty. I suppose the surname Davidson is a bit of a clue, might be something to it. But I'm never really sure why our surname wasn't Carpenter. But there you go, that's the story. Descended from King David himself. Come from up Nazareth way, up, uh, up north. Not a particularly sophisticated part of the world. Not like a lot of you modern Aussies here in the big city. We're pretty rough folk back then where I came from. But I suppose you're here to find out about what happened that night. Would you like to hear about what happened? Those fateful days? Well, it goes like this. I was uh, betrothed. To, uh, to marry a beaut, young, sweet thing by the name of Mary from my, from my village. Now, you've got to understand. You've got to understand. Betrothal in my days was much stronger than your modern sense of an engagement. I know you guys can break off an engagement without too much hassle. But in my day, where I came from, you were engaged to be married from when you were little kids. You see, your mum and dad's arranged it all long before you were adults. So you were engaged, but... There was a formal period of betrothal leading up to the wedding. And that's where Mary and, and I were at. It was a period when you really got to know each other, but you were still living with your own families, you see. It wasn't the done thing to really shack up or to jump in, in the sack during this time of betrothal. Some people did it. But you see, I was a good Jewish lad. I was a good Jewish lad. I might not be fancy, but I feared God and kept his command, for this is the whole duty of man. That's from what you guys call the Old Testament, the, the scriptures from the scroll of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 11. Fear God and keep his commands. Well, I was a good Jewish boy. So was Mary. She was a good Jewish girl. 
So we, we never shared a bed right up until, well, here's what happened. He was just starting to act a little bit, you know, withdrawn. Like scared, like, like she was fearful of something. She's upset, she'd be bursting into tears. Well, I don't know, I just put it down to women. I don't, you know... I just didn't know what she was. I thought maybe she was getting nervous about marrying. Maybe I'd done something wrong to upset her. I didn't know what was going on, but this went on for weeks. All withdrawn and upset. But eventually I blew my top at her and I said, Mary, if we're going to be married, if we're going to share our lives together, you've got to be able to trust me with everything. Whatever it is, I want to know. Well, she just burst into tears. And I remember it like yesterday, clear as anything. Just blurted out, I'm pregnant. Well, I still remember the feeling in my guts. It was like I'd been kicked in the guts by the Emperor's stallion. My beautiful Mary had been unfaithful. I couldn't lie. The anger raged up in me. Hurt welled up in me. Fear. and My mind was racing. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to be a laughing stock. You can imagine what all my mates would say couldn't believe it. I was so angry with her. And, and who is it? And I had these ugly visions going through my head of Mary just giving herself to another blood. But then to rub salt into the wood, she tried to deny it. Now, like I said, I'm a humble carpenter. Don't know much about the world, but I do know how babies are made. I know how these things work. And I knew that she'd been unfaithful to me. She swore, black and blue, that she hadn't been unfaithful to me. She started blubbering and ranting and raving about angels and dreams and, and, and I, she, I couldn't believe it. Mary, just stop it. Well, I, I couldn't believe it. She said, no, no, she tried to convince me. She's blubbering, a tearful mess. I'm getting angrier and, and angrier. And then to make matters worse, as if it, betrayal wasn't enough, and then the denial, she then started blaspheming. She said, no, no, this was from God. Had an angel and this child was from God. Well... I couldn't believe it. I mean, you have to understand where I come. This was black. You could be stoned for this sort of thing. I mean, you could, be, you could be put to death, by the way, for adultery as well. It didn't often happen, but if the grieved husband really insisted on it, they could go through with it, by the way. But you'd, I tell you what, you'd certainly get the death penalty for blasphemy. And this is the sort of thing she was saying. I was so angry, I stormed off to decide what to do. See, this was humiliating for me. What was I going to do? I, I slept on it and my anger subsided. I couldn't, I couldn't, have, a, couldn't have a stone. She's such a sweet, precious little thing. The most common thing was for like a public shaming, I suppose you'd call it. She'd be dragged before all of the townsfolk, all of Nazareth and and, 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 and basically have all the charges read out against her. I mean, she wouldn't be physically run out of town, but she may as well be. She'd never live down the shop. They'd turn her back on her in the markets, whispering behind her back. Effectively, this was the end of the line, really, for most people in this situation, in Mary's situation. But then, even then, I thought, I just couldn't do it. I, I like to think of myself as, a, as I said, a good God-fearing, godly man. And I thought the most loving thing to do would just be to divorce her quietly and just get on with it. Just, 
You have to remember, this was going to be devastating for me too. So I thought the least, the least painful course, the least painful option was just to divorce it quietly, pretend like nothing happened and move on, wash my hands of it and, and just get on with the rest of my life. Just forget about it. Put in a few extra hours in the workshop perhaps and, 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 just, and just get on with it. I decided that was it. That's what I was going to do. So I'll tell Mary the next morning. But then that night, you're not going to believe. My world was upended. An angel appeared to me in a dream. Now, I know you find this hard to believe, but I can tell, I can tell you it was a dream, but it was real if you know what I'm saying. Realer than anything. Real as you or I are here today. This angelic being, I tell you what, I'm not afraid to tell you. I was terrified. Absolutely terrified. Mighty, light, overwhelming holiness just washing over me. He spoke like a, with a sword cutting to my soul. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Take her as your wife. She's going to give birth to a son. You're going to raise him as your own, for he will save his people. Well, I woke up and I knew, I just knew, I knew it was real. I knew this was God speaking to me. I had to now go and convince Mary. So I went and saw her. She was still a mess, but I just held her tight and tried to tell her that I believed her. Well, I'm not ashamed to tell you that I was pretty teary too that day as well. It took some time to convince Mary that, that, that for her to think that, well, she believed me when I said that, that I believed her. But after a few hours of telling each other that we, I believed her and, and we were a unit, we decided we were going to make a go of it. We'd both been visited by angels. We knew this was from God. We didn't know what the future held. We didn't know exactly know what to expect. We knew it would be hard, but we were committed. A real team we were, Mary and myself, and we decided to make a go of it. We decided to have a go. So that's the first part of the story. I'm going to leave you there. I know it's a bit of a cliffhanger, but I'm going to come back in a little while. I've told you got to sing another song. So I'm going to invite you to stand and I'm going to sing Silent Night. Now this is a, a song that speaks of the events that you're going to be hearing in part two of my message to you today. But at this stage, Mary and I are still pretty fearful still not sure what to expect, decided I'm going to give her a go, we're going to give it a crack. We got married. Mary and I, we got married. And, well, a few months later, you know how these things work. She was starting the show. Her tongues were already starting to wag. The humiliation had already set in. But we knew that bigger things were in store. Thank you, guys.
always take a seat. The sweet sentiment, isn't it silent night? Let me tell you, it wasn't that silent. Any of you been to the birth of a child? It's not silent. It's rough, I'm here to tell you. Anyway, we were married and, well, the tongues had started to wag. People had worked it out. Mary was pregnant before we were, we were married and, well, the sniping and the griping had started and we felt it was probably a good idea to maybe make a bit of a break, you see. And then, well, it just so happened that old hairy legs, the emperor, decided to call a census. We all had to go back to our hometown. Well, being a Davidson, I had to travel back down to, to Davidstown, the city of David, Bethlehem, just outside of, outside of Jerusalem, our, our capital. Mary was from David's line as well, so they reckoned, so we couldn't bear the thought of being apart. We newly married and Mary was expecting a child. We just, I just couldn't leave her. I had to take her with me. Now, you've got to understand, this is a, a journey of about 90 miles. If you're young and fit and healthy, it might take you four days. Well, well Mary by this stage was heavily pregnant. It took us more like a week each day, getting more and more uncomfortable. But we uh, set off, did as we were told, hoping upon hope just to make a bit of a break and to, hoping to find someone down there that, that could help us. But speaking of kicks in the guts like I told you about earlier, we weren't finished with yet. Here we are, we turn up in Bethlehem. Mary's going into labour. I mean, I'm a humble carpenter. I had no idea what, she, what I was doing. Mary, this is her first child. She didn't know what to expect. She didn't have a mother with her. She didn't have any aunts with her, none of her kinfolk with her. She's all alone. We're all alone. We're young and we're about to give birth. We're in a strange town and no one wanted to know about it. You've got to remember, this is my hometown. I've got extended relos everywhere down the place. They're all family down there, but do you think they'd take us in? Kicking the guts it was. By the way, it was up to each hometown to look after weary travellers. It was a matter of pride for your hometown, especially for kinfolk like us, and especially with a pregnant woman. They were to reach down to our extended family down down at Bethlehem, about our situation. And I found it extremely hard to find somewhere. I knocked on the doors as much as I could. No room at the end. He said the place was full for the census. We're getting desperate by this stage. I'm not afraid to tell you, I was scared, real scared. Mary's in a great deal of pain. She's clearly entering into childbirth. I didn't know what to do. Well, one kindly old innkeeper, and by the way, when you hear this word innkeeper, don't think of one of your modern Aussie hotels. It's not like that. It's a kindly old couple, maybe whose kids have left home, maybe with a couple of spare rooms. That's what we're talking about here, something very humble. Well, one old fella, he was full up as well, but he took one look at Mary and he took pity on us. Praise God, thank you, Lord. He rolled his eyes and ushered us around the back to his old stable. It wasn't much, but it was clean was dry, it was safe. No one there but Mary and myself and a few animals. Well, that night, 
in an animal's bath, in little tiny Bethlehem, God brought forth a miracle into the world. I'll spare you all the gory details, but Mary gave birth to a son, just like the angel had said. We honoured what the angel had commanded us to do, and we named him Jesus. Well, Joshua, really. I know some of you don't realise this, but really the command was to name him Joshua. Joshua, after a hero of our people who led us into the promised land. But you see, these days all the kids are learning Greek, and with the Roman Empire, Greek's the language of, of the whole world, known world. I mean, me and my family, my mates, we speak Aramaic, but really Joshua, was, he was going to get Jesus. That was what we were commanded. So we named our precious little bub Jesus that night. I looked into his face and I was instantly in love. I knew that this boy was special. Somehow I sensed, even though he wasn't mine, I sensed that he was destined for greatness, but maybe, given all that we'd already been through, that maybe his path wasn't going to be an easy one, however. We didn't even have any blankets to wrap him in, so we wrapped him in some old strips of cloth we'd found lying around the place. That was all we had. Well, we settled in and trying to sort of just survived that night, trying to take in the wonder of it all. But our adventure wasn't finished, and you wouldn't believe it. We get this knock on the door, hordes, voices outside. I open up, and there's shepherds arriving, wanting to see the boy. Can you believe it? Stinking shepherds. Now, I know I'm a working class man, but shepherds, they're, they're the lowest of those. They're, they're outsiders. They, these men were often ceremonially unclean, ritually unclean. You see, they live with the sheep and the goats. They deal with carcasses, makes them unclean, plus they stink. They were rough types, but these guys were somehow different. I could tell they were rough men, but their eyes were wide as saucers. They came in looking like they'd seen a ghost, saying that an angel had appeared to them too, telling them that the Saviour had been born, the Messiah, the Christ, the long-awaited one had been born in David's city and to look for a sign of baby lying in a manger wrapped in strips of linen. Well, I couldn't deny them. They seemed like harmless sort of fellas, so in they came and I, I let them in and, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And after a while, off they went, ranting and raving, saying, I've got to go tell everyone they knew. Can you believe this? This kid of mine, this adopted son of mine, really was going to be special. Well, the story doesn't end there. And this is another point that maybe some of you modern folk might not understand that got your head around. You see, we didn't stay in that stable. We eventually did find a place to stay down in Bethlehem. We actually try to set up some semblance of a, of a normal life. And if you read your Bibles, if you read your scriptures, you'll see very clearly it tells you we were in the house when we had some more unexpected visitors. We were in the home and again there's a bit of a commotion outside and strange men from strange lands are outside our door wanting to come down and worship the boy. I know you think that there's only three of them. Let me tell you again, check your scriptures. It doesn't say that. 
I can assure you, I was there. Whole caravans of travellers from distant lands. In my day, I didn't just travel in one, two, it wasn't such. Caravans of strangers speaking strange tongues. They were wise men, learned sort of men. Again, I wasn't too sure. Foreigners, remember, I'm a good Jewish boy. Letting these Gentiles into my house, I wasn't quite sure. But again, something told me that they could be trusted. Plus, I don't mind telling you that the gifts they came bearing helped out. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. These were expensive gifts. People, things that modern, that old working, common workers, hard workers like me very rarely ever got to see. Well, those expensive gifts sure helped out with what was to follow. These wise men, they bowed down and worshipped him, gave him their gifts, but I could tell they were somehow worried for him. They were somehow concerned. The language barrier caused a bit of an issue, but I, I could work out that they were concerned for his well-being and were trying to warn him. Anyway, they headed back from a dis- different direction where they came, back to their, their homelands, and I worked out why they were so concerned pretty shortly afterwards. You see, you won't believe a humble working man like myself, another angel appeared to me in a dream, saying, go, take the boy, collect Mary, flee down to Egypt, for Herod is trying to kill the boy. That old fox, that dirty old disease-ridden tyrant Herod, trying to kill my boy. It makes sense when you think about it. He didn't want any threat to his throne. So, again, I did what I was told. I, I knew that this was right. I bundled up my precious little family and I fled in the dark of night. But did it have to be Egypt? Egypt. This is the place where my people were enslaved during the time of Moses. Good Jewish boy heading down to Egypt. These are pagan, Gentile people. These are the sort of people a good Jewish boy like myself wouldn't be said seem dead with associated. But I knew it was from God. So off we went in the dark of night. I thought I heard some Roman soldiers in the distance and some wailing. Bad things were about to happen. I could, I could sense it that night in Bethlehem. So I lived as a stranger in a strange land for a few years, right down, down in Egypt. It was hard. It was tough. I used my carpentry skills as best, my, as best I could just to feed my family, just to get by. You've got to understand, working people back in my days, we lived hand to mouth. We didn't have bank accounts. We, 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 I went to work that day, earned just enough to feed my family. We survived, and I'm proud to say we survived because it was a challenge. The fulfillment of a prophecy, by the way, for those of you who are familiar with your scriptures, from the roll, the scroll of Hosea this time, that the Saviour, the Messiah, would, be, would be come up out of Egypt. Well, the whole adventure finished up when, would you believe, a third angelic visitor to me, a humble carpenter, telling me that the ones that were trying to kill the boy had died and it was safe to return home. So, we, again... I bundled up the family, took the long, dangerous trek back to Israel. 
We eventually settled back in our old hometown of Nazareth and made a goal. But like any other family trying to raise the Son of God, I taught him my trade. Mary and I eventually had other kids, but I always knew Jesus was special. I always knew that what the angel had said that day was true. I'm sad to tell you that I didn't live long enough to see my boy grow to be a man. But I did watch from among the heavenly hosts those fateful days, some 30 years later, he grew to be a man. Had a rough time of it. Even got rejected again by our hometown at Nazareth. This young boy that I helped to raise, wise beyond his years, went on to become a great teacher, but more than just a great teacher, more than just a rabbi. The word spoken by the angels was true. He was truly the Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of God. Emmanuel, God with us, came to save his people. The irony is, although I tried to protect him, he's the one that really ended up protecting me, protecting me from God's wrath, taking the punishment that I deserved for my sin upon himself. I watched on from among the heavenly hosts as he went to his death willingly for me and for you. He paid the price for your sin, willingly took it upon himself for giving you his righteousness in exchange for all of your mess and filth and sin, washing you clean, whiter than the snow. This is the good news of this time that you mob call Christmas. I just remember it as the day my eldest son was born, precious as he was. So a couple of takeaways. If you're wanting to know what I'd teach you, what I'd say, if you're wanting to know what to maybe take away from my story, what I'd tell you if you asked, well... Firstly, I want you to know, be prepared for God's call. Be prepared to follow when he calls. It might take you in some long and winding paths. It might be dangerous. It might be costly. It might even cost you your life. There's many saints around the world dealing with that every year between your time and mine. It could be dangerous. But I tell you what, I'm so glad I heeded God's call that day. That night, I'm so glad. It was the best thing I could possibly have done. Following God's will for my life, there's nothing better. Have a think also maybe about how I just gave what I had. It wasn't much. I'm a humble carpenter. I didn't have much to give, but I could protect my family. That was my job, my role. Of course, Mary, well, she, being the mother, had a whole, a whole lot of responsibility carrying the child, giving birth to the child feeding the child, but it was my job to protect the family, and I did it. What are you being called to do? Who Maybe you're being called to protect someone this new year. Maybe you're being called to care for someone this new year. Who are you being called to look out for, perhaps, even if it costs you, even perhaps if it gets thrown back in your face like it did for my boy Jesus so many times during his earthly ministry. And finally, I want you to know that a saviour has been born. A saviour has come. There is hope for you beyond this frail, mortal bodies of ours that break down and die, as I know so well. If you want to outlive your life, can I encourage you to put your hope in this Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. If you want to outlive your life, and experience resurrection life just as my boy did. 
He was the first of the resurrection. He defeated death. He conquered death for you. He paved the way. He blazed the trail for you and for I to move over from sin and death into life eternal. Praise God. Make a decision today, friends, to make Jesus of Nazareth your Lord and your Saviour.